So I just wanted to repeat um, one more announcement that, that was already given about the prayer meeting this coming Wednesday at 7.30. It's, it's important to come for prayer. Last year one time I came to the prayer meeting and I, asked, I prayed, I asked God for a skinny body on a fat bank account. I, I think he got it mixed up. I don't know what happened. Then one time in the prayer meeting, when my, some of you know my car had broke down, and I came to pray, and I asked God, I says, I want something that goes from, from zero to a hundred in four seconds. The next day, he gave me a bathroom scale. <laughs> I don't think that's what, anyway, let, let's move on from that. I'm going to be speaking about the book of Hosea. Hosea was an Old Testament prophet. And many times God asked the Old Testament prophets to do crazy things. It's not like today we have the prophetic ministry on the last Sunday of every month after church. And we just go in the back room and we get prophetic encouraging words for people. We just sit there vibing for a few hours. But it wasn't like that in the Old Testament times. Sometimes God told the people to do radical things. For example, God told Isaiah to go to the temple and walk around naked for three years as a sign to Egypt that one day they would be defeated and the people would be taken naked through the streets. How, how many of you would like that assignment? Aren't, aren't you glad you don't live back then? Or Ezekiel was asked by God to eat food cooked over cow manure. And he agreed to it only, only after he refused to eat food that was fueled by human poop. See, God was gracious. He said, okay, you can, you can use the cow manure instead. The prophet Jeremiah, he was told to get a linen cloth, wear it around your waist and don't wash it. And keep wearing it, then take it, hide it in the ground under a rock, and then after all that time, put it back on as a sign to the people of their own spiritual filth and sin. So sometimes God told Old Testament prophets to do, to do some crazy stuff. Well, this next story I'm going to tell you is the craziest of them all. So I'm going to go to the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 1. It says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, again was a prophet. A prophet means somebody who hears from God to give a message to somebody else. So when God had first started to speak to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Oh, I thank God I'm not Hosea. 
If I was a prophet back then, I would have joined a non-profit organization. This is talking about God tell him, go out, find a, a prostitute, marry the prostitute, and have children that will be born of other men as a sign to Israel that they have been unfaithful to me. It, it was sort of, Hosea was painting a picture that anytime someone would say, well, why did you marry a prostitute who's unfaithful? Hosea would say, that's a picture of Israel. They've, they've betrayed God. They've worshipped idols. They've lived in sin and rebellion against God. They've been unfaithful. See, that was God's heart has always been to have a people. I just, want, I just want to read the scripture from Jeremiah 3, verse 19, that shows the true heart of God. This is God. This is the words of God. He said, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I look forward to your calling me father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. But you have been unfaithful, you people of Israel. You have been like a faithless wife who leaves a husband. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, we got to stop thinking of God as this strong guy made out of iron and steel, and nothing touches him, and he's just looking for people to to hurt and to wound, that he's this angry God. He's an emotional God. Can you hear the emotion? He said, it was my desire to have a people that they would call me father and that I would bless them. But yet they've been like an unfaithful wife. See, when we turn against God, it breaks his heart. God is a God of emotions. We are created in his image. That's why we have emotions. And God's heart was broken at the unfaithfulness of the people. And God told Hosea, go marry a prostitute. Uh, just to show these people what I'm going through. To show them the devastation of my heart. All the hurt. And then he told, he told them to go and bear children, except the three children that Hosea had were not even his. That his unfaithful wife had children by other men. The first one was named Jezreel, the firstborn son. And God said, name him Jezreel, because I'm about to punished King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he, he committed at Israel. I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. What God was saying, because Israel, because of what you did, the atrocities you committed in the Valley of Jezreel, I'm going to do the same thing back to you. There's going to be a battle in the valley of Jezreel. I'm going to break your military power. 
Soon after that, Hosea's wife became pregnant again. And the Lord said to Hosea to name your daughter Lo-Ruhama, which means not love, because I will no longer love the people. They have turned from me. I'm done. I'm tired of the rebellion. And God said, that's it. You name your child not loved because I will no longer show love to Israel or forgive them. Then she had one more son. And God said, name this son Lo Amin, which means not my people because you're not my people anymore and I am not your God. See, God is a righteous judge. And he told the people, from now on, I'm going to treat you the way you deserve to be treated. I don't love you anymore. I'm cutting you off. I'm defeating you as a nation. And in Jeremiah, he, t he told the people, I'm writing you a certificate of divorce. I'm not married to you anymore. God's heart was so wounded and broken, number one. And number two, because the righteous indignation, the righteous justice of God demanded punishment. Because God is not only the loving Father, He's also the righteous judge. But the next thing that happened is the most remarkable statement to me in the whole Bible, or at least in the whole Old Testament. Chapter 3. Here's what Hosea said. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man as an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. This is not one of those beautiful love stories you see, uh, you see on the Hallmark Channel. This is not one of these stories where a man goes out and meets this broken woman, and through his love she's restored. This is a story where this guy reaches out with all his heart, brings in this prostitute into his home, marries her, and she keeps going out again and again, cheating on him. And this is what God told him. After she had left, now once she had left, how many of you would say, thank God this is over? But you know what God said? He said, go back. Go back where and find her. Go into the houses of prostitution. Go to the street corners, into the crack houses. You find her and you bring her back. And Hosea went out and he paid, he paid through his silver. He bought her back. And God said, that is a true picture of my love. To see, through all the anger, through the justice of God, the overwhelming love that God has for his people began to rise up. After God had said, I cut you off, you're not my people anymore. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to destroy you. And all of a sudden, in his, inside of him, the passionate, 
fiery love that God has for his people began to overtake all the judgment and the righteous anger because the Bible says that mercy triumphs over justice. In spite of the adultery and the wickedness and the idolatry, listen to this verse from Hosea chapter 11, verse 8. Can you hear the heart of God today? He said, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zebulun? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. He just couldn't do it. He made the decree. He made the decision. But he's a God of such grace, such mercy, such love. He says, I'm going to go and win you back. I'm going to do whatever it takes because I'm so in love with you. Do you hear God's heart for you today? In the, me in the meantime, look at this husband, Hosea, went out to search for his wife who, who, who had gone back to prostitution and, and all the calls I get from men in the church. Forget about my marriage. My wife called me poo-poo head. That's it. That's it. I'm leaving. Uh, I, hear, I heard from one wife. That's it. My marriage is over because my husband forgot my birthday. This is for all the husbands. I have a good trick how to always remember your wife's birthday. You want to hear it? Just forget it once and you'll never forget it again. I guarantee it. That's a guarantee. How many of you ever have been through that one? You see, God promised men that good and obedient wives would be found in all four corners of the world, and then he made the world round. Funny, funny guy, right? <laughs> then he laughed, and he laughed, and he laughed. I'm going to go back to chapter 1, verse 10. I want to see, show you how after God had cursed the people, I want to show you what the grace of God is. He reversed the curse. Chapter 1, verse 10. Yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where they were told, you are not my people. It will be said, you are children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant his people in his land. Remember the three children. One of them was named, not my people. You're not my people. And God says, the day will come when, you'll, when those who are not my people will become children of the living God. You will call your sisters the one I love. 
Remember, God said, I won't love you anymore. God reversed the curse. And you know what it is? It's his overwhelming love and compassion that's greater than sin, greater than, it, than anything that people can do. God's love is always greater. It reaches further. The Bible says in the book of Romans, where there's greater sin, there's always greater grace. And remember Jezreel. God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defeat you at Jezreel. Because of what you did, there's going to be a battle. And you're going to be destroyed in the valley of Jezreel. And what's going to happen? In that same place where God says you're going to be destroyed, that would be the, the place of their greatest victory. He's a God of, of pure restoration. Now, what does that have to do with us? This is Old Testament I'm reading. We live in the New Testament. But Jeremiah 3.14 says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. What is a backslider, especially in the New Testament? A backslider is someone who used to love God or they used to serve God. And, and slowly but surely, they keep going backwards, back into the world. They begin to pray less and less. And it usually doesn't happen all at once. It's not that somebody's all on fire for God and the next day they're gone. It's little by little, you, the fire begins to die more and more. All of a sudden, you're not so excited to be in God's presence. Prayer isn't such a big deal anymore. You don't love to read the Word that, the way that you used to. And the things of the world begin to draw you little by little. And you start to move further and further away from God. And what did God say? I am married to the backslider. That is a totally different picture of God than I ever had in my head. Remember a few, a few weeks ago... Pastor George spoke about the prodigal son. Remember that story about the son? He took his inheritance and he went out and wasted it all on, on fun and partying and women. Then when he came back home, the father was out there waiting for him. That's a beautiful picture, right? That God the father is always waiting. He's always there. His eyes, when you leave, you could decide to walk out right now and say, I'm sick of this Jesus stuff. I'm not having fun anymore. This isn't working for me. And the picture is that God the Father will be standing right outside the door looking for you, searching, hoping you'll come back one day. This is a totally different picture, an element of God. This picture of God being married to the backslider means you could walk out, you could go partying right now, you could go get drunk, and God is going to go right into that party with you. He's not going to let you go. He's going to keep loving you through it. He's going to hold on to your hand. You might miss all the blessings. 
all the joy and the peace that God, that God has for you. But he's going to keep on going. He's going to keep looking for you like Hosea went out into, into the brothels and the houses of prostitution to look for his wife. You can't get away from God. That's why so many of you went away and got miserable and came back. That's why when I see people's Facebook status of those who used to love God, and right now they're out partying, drinking, clubbing, every time you read their Facebook status, they never seem as happy as they used to. There's always a misery there. Because God will never again let you feel comfortable in your mess. Once you choose to marry him, you better watch out. He's not like all these other men out here who make all these promises. Oh, I'm not like all the other men. If you get pregnant, I'll never leave you. Don't compare me to those men. The next thing you know, they're gone. God is not like that. He'll chase you. He'll come looking for you. What, what, a, what a bridegroom savior. As Pastor George said, forget what you heard about God. That he's angry and disappointed at you. He's not angry at you. Even in your worst day. Even in your immaturity, God is not angry, but he's fully connected with your heart. And he'll, he'll do anything he has to to win your love. I'm going to go to chapter 2, verse 14. Again, an amazing verse. When you read the Bible, don't just look at it as a bunch of words. Look at it as God's heart being revealed. Listen to this picture of God's heart. When you think of who this bride is. When you think that, you, remember that we're talking about Israel, who for the most part were unfaithful. They searched after other gods. And even took their little children and sacrificed them in the fire to the idols and the false gods. God had every right to destroy them. They disobeyed his word. But look what God says. Amazing. Hosea 2.14 But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her out into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. God's saying, you wicked, you rebellious people. And for a minute he got angry. But then he said, but in my love, in my great mercy and grace, I'm going to draw you into the wilderness and I'm going to romance you back. I'm going to woo you back to me. Was that your picture of who God is? How many of you right now think that God is mostly angry and disappointed with you? 
that people picture him as this moody guy up in heaven. You don't ever know what he is. Oh, maybe he's mad today. Oh, he likes me now because I just prayed 15 minutes. God is not moody. God is steady in his love. And it's a passionate love. And it will not let you go. If you think you could just walk away, you know what Jesus said? I'll leave this whole church and I'll come after you. I'll leave all these people sitting there and I'm going to come running after the one. That's the love of God. He's after the runaway bride. I'm going, to re- I'm going to read one last scripture from Isaiah 54. Usually I don't like to read this many scriptures, but to me these are the most beautiful scriptures in the whole Bible because it's God's heart directly being expressed to you. Isaiah 54 verse 4, do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do you hear that, that there's no shame on you? Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Verse 6. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. No matter how you feel today, if you feel unworthy, if you feel like you've messed up your life, you feel, you'd, you'd be ashamed if God walked in the room right now. Maybe because of stuff you just did last night. What is God saying? When I walk in the room, you don't have to feel ashamed before me because your maker is your husband. And I am in love with you. And he says, your husband is your redeemer. What does your redeemer mean? It means God's the one who decides who you are. And you are beautiful in his eyes. You are, you are lovely. You are wonderful. His heart is for you. He is not against you. Everything you heard, like the series says, get that garbage out of your head, that God's out to punish you, he's out to hurt you. He has plans to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. See, that's our God. His love will not be denied. I don't care how far you've fallen today, how far you feel away from God. I'm not saying God come to God. I'm saying He's coming to you. Open your heart. He's married to you, even in your mess. Listen to this quote by someone named Eon Watson. 
whoever that is, but it's a good quote. <laughs> there is a natural, logical kind of loving that loves lovely things and lovely people. That's logical. But there is another kind of loving that doesn't look for value in what it loves, but that creates value in what it loves. God is not looking for perfect, beautiful people who got it all together, who feel wonderful, and, and they pray six hours a day, and they're doing everything the right way. He's looking for crazy, messed up people where he can form into his image and make you beautiful. To make you worthy. You don't have to be worthy today. You could feel like absolutely nothing. You came here today feeling like garbage. You, you, you feel embarrassed even being here today. You're the one God's looking for because he wants to he wants to create his glory in your life. He wants, to, he wants to put his greatness in you. I, I, I just want to tell you a story that happened about 15 years ago that involved Pastor George, and he probably wished he forgot it by now. But this was um, back in another church, and the church... Some people from the church took a trip to Florida. And there we were in the parking lot of this big church. And I'm going to confess to you, at that point in my life, I was totally messed up. I, didn't, I went through some of the worst experience I've ever had in my life in church and my personal life. I was sick in my body. And you know what I would do Sundays? When church started, as long, once they saw me there, I'd sneak out the door and stand outside. Other times, I'd just get up and go home. I stopped praying. I didn't want to. I, every time I tried to open the Bible, I got this sick feeling. Like, who are you to be reading the Word of God? And I started getting sick and depressed. And felt like God didn't want me anymore. And there we were standing in this parking lot in the middle of nowhere. And I asked Pastor George, can you just pray for me for a second? So he put his hand on my shoulder. And the next news you know, there I was laid out on the floor in the parking lot, rolling all over the place, shaking like crazy. And if you try to tell me that stuff is not from God, you, you, you're too late. Sometimes God might do something. Sometimes he got to knock you over. Sometimes he got to make you spin around a little bit. And in that one instant, all the depression, all the pain, all the sickness was gone. And the fire of God returned to my life. I wasn't looking for God. I was running from God. And in his love and great compassion, not in a church, in a parking lot. 
He met me there. And, and I've been determined since that day, I'll never let that fire go out again. Whatever it costs me in my life, he's going to burn. I'm going to serve him. If it costs me everything, if I got to lay down my life, you know why? Because I never knew love like that in my whole life. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a love like that. The love I've ever seen, well, you do good to me and I'll do good to you. But if you cross the line, you're gone, buddy. I never knew a love that doesn't let you go. A relentless, fiery love. So I'm, I'm going to ask Lee and the worship team to come up right now. And that, as they come, Lee, Lee is going to share some a testimony with you, and then we're going to pray. I want to share with you this morning a dream that I had not too long ago. When I had this dream, I was in a place where I was very weary, and I was very tired. And I hadn't been praying very much. I hadn't been seeking God's way to do things. And I began to take all the burdens of my home and my workplace and life just in general upon my own shoulders. So one day I was home and I, I, I was getting really tired. And so I laid down to go to sleep. I ended up taking this three hour long nap. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought I was sick. Um, and I wasn't. I was just tired in my spirit. Has anyone ever been there? Just tired in your spirit, tired in your mind, tired, just tired. So now I have this dream, and in the dream, I'm in my, I'm, I'm in my apartment building. And the whole apartment bu building begins to shake, and it starts to lean over to the side, so I become afraid, and I start to grab for things to hold on to. And then I, it stops, and we're still in a leaned position, and I go outside and I see these authority people, like I saw the police, I saw the ambulance, and I run to a police officer and I say, what happened? What just happened? Was that an earthquake? And he says, he just looks at me and he says, no, it's the pressure. That's what happens when you feel the pressure. So I go back in the house and, and I feel the house starts to shake again. And I feel it lean again. And this time I try to run underneath. I, I try to go under my bed. And I try to grab my children so that we can find a safe place. And so because this man didn't give me the answer that I was looking for. And only told me that it was pressure. I thought I have to run. I have to, I have to gain some control of this. I have to keep everybody safe. And so I grabbed my children. And I put them in our car. And I started to drive. And I started to drive really, really far. Because I was like, you know, I can't come back here. I could get killed. My children could get killed. And I ended up back in my old neighborhood out by Long Island. And when I look at my gas gauge, I notice that I'm like right about to be on E. And it's, it, it's pretty far from here. So I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to drive my kids to safety and then get back to my husband. Because in the dream, my husband wasn't with me. And so all of a sudden, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I don't know what to do and I'm like, how am I going to get back? And all of a sudden this man appears, he just appears out of nowhere and he's big and he's tall and 
I almost can't even, I, I don't, can't tell you I remember seeing his face because all I saw was like I could see from like here, like his chest because he was just so tall. And he just comes over to the car and he pulls over to, he pulls me over to the side of the road and he comes and he grabs the keys from me very gently. And in that moment, I just, everything in me just broke. And I just began to weep and this sense of relief just, just, washed over me and I started to weep and I just grabbed the man and I just started to hug him and all of a sudden I hear all of a sudden I hear music start playing and I hear the song all I need is you Lord all I need is you and when I woke up in the morning the Lord said to me this house right because the word of God says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit he said these things are shaking you you're shaken, you're troubled, you're disturbed. Your mind, your body, your spirit, everything is troubled on the inside of you. He said, because you're taking the pressure on yourself. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, woo you into my presence, but you just won't come. I'm, 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 I'm giving you peace and I'm trying to call out to you, but you're refusing me. And now you're running from me. You're running, you're running back to the old, my old neighborhood. He said, those are your old ways of handling things. You're running back to the past. And he said, but you know what? You may have thought that you left your husband, but I'm right here. And I'm going to stop you when you have nothing left in you. And when you haven't prayed a prayer and when you've done things that were wrong and when you've said things to hurt people and you've taken that condemnation upon yourself, I'm gonna stop you. I know your gas tank is empty. I know that you're empty and I know that you need me. And I'm gonna relieve you of the burden. And I'm gonna take the pressure off of you. And the Lord said, and I will restore that communion between you and I. And there is this relentless love that no matter what we do, no matter how far we go, He, our husband, our maker, will come following after us. I didn't deserve it in my spirit. I was running away from God, not praying, not seeking His way after all He's done. But He's like, no, I'm going to show up for you anyway. You know, it's interesting. When the enemy can't use the things of the world to distract you away from the love of God he'll start accusing you and whispering things in your ear and so from that time that I had that dream the Lord began to do just that and bring me back into that beautiful communion with him and then last night I go to bed and I have another dream if you haven't noticed I'm a dreamer and that's what I do I dream and God speaks to me in that and so in the dream, somebody, somebody was there, somebody that I know, and they went to go and they went to go pull my hair to grab, they grabbed my hair and they pulled it. And I turned around and it was in front of my children and I said, you will never touch me. You cannot touch me. And I went like that. I started saying, you cannot touch me. You cannot touch me. Because in the reality of it, the enemy can't touch you because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. So as I began to say that, this person began to turn into a demonic spiritual being and all of a sudden it started to shrivel up and it got really small when I said you can't touch me you can't touch me and it shriveled up and it went onto the ground and all of a sudden I was talking now in the dream I was talking to my father 
and I'm talking to my father and as it shrivels up on the ground it starts yelling at me and it starts saying your Christ doesn't love you your Christ doesn't love you your Christ doesn't love you and so I went over and I put my hands on it and I said I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and when I turned and I looked the demonic spirit had left and had just it just went away and I was standing with somebody and I said you see that was a spirit you see that was a spirit and let me tell you there's some of you in here that may not be keen to the fact that where there is a kingdom of light there is also a kingdom of darkness and no we don't glorify that kingdom of darkness but there is a very real spiritual battle going on for your relationship with Jesus and where the enemy can't get you and distract you with the things of the world he will call out to you and he will tell you your Christ doesn't love you your Christ doesn't love you and to that I say Romans 8 38 to 39 for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
Will you come and join me down here? 